But football without fans is nothing. It can be the greatest game in the world. If there are no people there to watch it, it becomes nothing. We were magnificent. Magnificent. Larson. Oh, he's in! Hendrik Larson! That is sensational! Nakamura! The game is over. The Rebels have won. He's done it! Jarvis put it in, but without a doubt, the European Cup is on its way. Stop at half time and we'll stop at the end of the game when we celebrate. All right, guys, what's happening Tuesday, the 15th of March? Our Tuesday roundup for the Jungle Gyms. To the viewers, thank you very much for joining us. We've got Paddy McGinty in the house. How you doing, boys? Yeah, all good, all good here. Uh, gutted and I'll hold my hands up to the guys. I missed last night's game completely, so I have no idea what happened apart from obviously the scoreline and. The, the draw itself afterwards. To, to be fair, mate, you've been working hard. You've been working hard. Oh, he's always working hard. You had COVID as well. That's another excuse. Yeah. Um, so we'll let you off for that. It's all right. Me and Paddy watched the game and we did the post match anyway. Um, aye, Paddy, how you doing, mate? Aye, so so, mate. Uh, busy day to day. Just the usual oh, fucking. Fucking better mid than that. So so. I, I'm, I'm delighted, mate. Football was last night. It's done the night, so. Hi. Um, we're, still, uh, we're still top of the league, mate. Looking down on the the safe course, so I'm happy. That's that. Uh, McGinty, what did you think of the draw last night? Getting Rangers Easter Sunday, man. I uh, may as well put them out of the competition as soon as we can. Uh, I, I'd rather play them before the final. I'd rather be the ones to dump them out before the final. So I uh, bring it on. Well, what what's the kind of the big the overriding emotion? Beating them, the, the, the potential to beat them in a final, or the, the potential disappointment of losing in a final to them. What, what was uh, the, 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 potential that, the potential that Celtic win a cup, regardless of who the opponents are, to be honest. But as far as they're concerned, I just don't want to see them get as far as the final. I don't want them to do well, so I'll happily be the team that puts them out. So as far as far as I'm allowed to believe, we actually play them. They, sorry, they, they'll play that. They'll play one of their Europa games on the Thursday and then have to play us on prob which is probably going to be the Sunday. I'd be shocked if they didn't have the the Hearts and Hibs game on the Saturday. And it usually is that way even ah, even ah, out with European kind of issues. It usually is that the Celtic uh, or the Rangers game gets put to the Sunday. And I'm not sure I'm not sure the exact year, but there was supposedly a stat mentioned last night, Gavin. I don't know if you heard that. And it was something like 140 years or something. Since Celtic, this new team, Sevco, Hearts and Hibs were all the last four teams in the Scottish I Cup final. Thought the stat was that this is the first time this has ever happened in the Scottish Cup that we've all met at the semi final stage yeah. Celtic so, Rangers or a variation of Rangers and Hibs and Hearts. I have the feeling this has happened before, but in the League Cup because this feels quite familiar to me, unless it's been yeah, extremely close. But I, I thought the stat was this morning when I read it was. That this is the first time in Scottish Cup history. As I, as I said, I don't know. I just I, I was told it today, so I was, I was just double checking to see if anybody else had heard it last I'm, night. I'm sure somebody in the comments will correct us one way or the other. 
Who would you rather meet in the final? I, I would I would take Hibs in the final rather than Hearts. Hibs every time. I, I know Hibs don't like us and they try to do the whole mock, pretend that they're, they're all the same kind of club as us when really traditionally they, they are historically founded from the same kind of, from the same people uh, for the same reasons. And they, they, their fans want to try and distance themselves from us. I put that down to Chelsea. But on the whole, if I had to choose, yeah, Hibs every time. Followed by Dundee United, but they're obviously not in the, in the same final after last night. So I'll uh, always go for an all green Hamden final if I can have it. So, Paddy, you feel confident then Rangers in the semi final? Well, we're probably going to play them at some point. You can't really always be banking on them to get beat by other teams. So, Rangers beat them in the semi final, and then the, the law, law of averages will probably say we've got hearts in the final. So, two exciting games to look forward to, would you reckon, mate? Honest opinion? No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not excited about it. Um, <laughs> I'm not going on anything. I'm not going on any laws of averages here. I'm just going on my own fucking superstition, and I think, I think they'll win it. But I think they'll win the league. Oh, really? You think we will not win the cup? I think they. I think they'll they'll win in the semi final. I just thought. I just had a feeling. Even before last night's game started, I had this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach that we were going to get them, and it just came along with all these just fucking. That is a first. That is a first. Paddy has stepped us to get beat. Um, actually, oh. you're thinking with your head and not with your heart, which uh, which is refreshing. And by, and by the way, as I've always said to these guys, the league is the bread and butter for me. I would begrudgingly accept going out of the cup. As long as we win that league, obviously, I obviously want to win every single tournament. I want to win every single game against the Sons of Satan. But realistically, it's not going to happen every single season, is it? A of treble, course. A treble's only been done a few times in our entire history. So to ask for Big Ange to fucking pull a treble at his arse this season is an almighty task. So he's already won a cup so far. He's done incredible. He's done a great job to get us into the semis thus far. Brilliant. We're on top of the league. Great games to go. Magnificent. You know. I, I would I would definitely agree with you in the um in your sentiment of where you're coming from, especially transitional season and his first season and all the rest of it. Uh it's impossible to ask Celtic to be winning a treble year after year after year after year. We did it four years with a bounce. That that, that's unheard of in world football to be able to do that. The fact that we managed that is unbelievable that, that nobody else won a cup at least once, any team in the whole Scotland over those those four years. So the chances that we, we come out of last season's fiasco and come straight back into a transitional period with Ange and all the changes that he's making, to come in and expect him to win a treble is, is extremely harsh. I don't think anybody was or is expecting it. Now that we're in the same final, now that we lead in the league, we eight games to go, as you say, we're all starting to think, well, come on, give us a treble then. But see, to be honest, so long as he gets us a league, he's already got the League Cup. If as long as he gets us a league, I would call that a major success for the season. Oh, undoubtedly. The, the crowning top sort of thing is the the, the the treble if we can achieve it. And it'll be heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching if it's them that puts us out the cup. But at the end of the day, you know, we can't win everything all the time. Uh, well, Paddy, as you said, like, 
hypothetically, if I, I, I would give up the the, the 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 Scottish Cup in order to win the league, a hundred percent, because we know we know what side um, our, our bed is buttered on. But it doesn't work like that, of course. And we're, of course, we're, we're, of course. We're in the league again, and we've got that that cup game now in the semi final. So I think with these three remaining fixtures against Rangers. It's not all going to be gravy, so to quote a Daniel Day-Lewis movie, there will be blood. I can certainly see that. It will be interesting, though. Uh, is, that, is that after the final whistle, Gav? Not really from us, but we know what they're like. Hypothetically speaking, if Celtic were only to win two of the next three Rangers games, two in the league and one in the cup, I'd rather lose the third one after the split because if we win the one coming up first in the league, we'll go six points clear. If we win the cup game, we'll go in the final. Come that post-split fixture against them, if we were to get beat there, we would still be three points clear of them. So if we if we take the average that we can expect to win all three of these games, we don't have the divine right to win all three. We can. We, sh- we should be able to, but we don't have the divine right. Yeah, I, I've sacrificed the, the third one in the hope that the first two gets us over the line of both the Cup and the League. At Celtic Park? I mean, well, if you, I mean, no, I don't, but... No, I know. I still, know. if, 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 well, if you're well, going to have well, to pick well, one, you don't win. Well, obviously, you can, there's, can you win them all? Obviously, there's, nay, there's nothing set in stone that, you know, we're going to lose one or we're going to drop one or you need to fucking sacrifice this. At the end of the day, which is a phrase I hate, by the way, I can't believe I've just said that, we're still in... The hunt, we're still in the semis. So realistically, if we're in it, we can win it. We're still in the league, we're in it, we can win it. You know what I mean? There's no, there's, there's nothing to say that we're going to get beat after. We could potentially win the three games in April. We could potentially lose the three games in April. Who knows? It's all about fucking supporting. Um, but I, me personally, I just want to see us win that league. And as much as it pains me to say it, I'll, I'll be absolutely distraught if the bastards put us at the cup. But uh, uh, just to go back to that earlier point for Frank Brennan, the first one he put up uh, when he was talking about him back in 1952, uh, are you referring to, was that the time when um, Celtic were told by the SFA that we had to, to take down the tricolour, otherwise they were going to expel us and, and we kind of we, we stuck to our guns? Was that the time? In oh, was that Because the- I, I remember all teams were involved, all the teams voted to say Celtic had to Discard of the tricolour, but we stuck to our guns and we, we obviously prevailed. And Hibs were one of the, the so called traitors, if you will. Um, aye. Uh, aye, so, uh, yeah, just, just a wee one in the comments here, Cafe Scott Cameron. How you doing, Paul? The Huns haven't won the cup for about 11 years, so they're not going to start now. They don't have the bottle to go over the line. Well, to be fair, mate, we said that last season that they've no won a league for. Uh, since since they were in uh, since their inception, and look at what happened. It's a cup game. Anybody could win it. We could go and play Hibs in the final. They could win. We could go and play Hearts in the final. They could win. So I don't think at this stage, you know, we should be just fucking showing a lot of bravado. Like that, you know, I mean, we need to re- we need to respect kind of exactly who we're playing. And I don't and I don't mean that because I'm like respect the bastards, but you need to be wet, very wary of them. Begin to what do you think? This is a, sounds like a new party tonight. It sounds very pragmatic. I'm not he too is. sure. I, I kind of like it. It's level-headed. It's sensible. He's uh, leveling expectations. 
However, I do note that he's not on the alcohol just now, so uh, maybe we'll get a different paddy later on. Oh, no, he is. No, is that the Coca-Cola? See, maybe we'll get a different paddy later on. No. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe if we done it on a Friday night, aye. Um, no, it's, it's, it's just getting to the... It's getting to the stage of the season now where um fucking I'm on tender hooks now, guys. I'm literally I don't mate, you don't know how much it would mean to me if we win this league. Well, you, you probably do, but you know me, I'm a, a passionate guy, mate. And whatever happened last season, it's totally fucking cajoled me. And I just want us to be, I just want us to be the champions again. I'm fucking sitting buzzing through it. And it's all I can think about is the league, the league, the league, the league. So see anything else other than that? It's a distraction for me. As much as I love. Seen as winning last night, mm-hmm. when they abhorred me, I hear that a lot if they get beat because we've less games to play, we can concentrate the league. Um, see, between now and the end of the season, proper squeaky bum time. Like, mm-hmm. I've already got butterflies already. I don't like those nerves. I, I like to like, go out for a walk whenever I've got those nerves. I can't really hack that, but I've got no choice just to fucking ride it till, till the end, man. Um, Hi, uh, McGinty. What are you like for these kind of run-ins? What we've got eight games left in the in the, the league. Um, how do you generally see it going? And one question I wanted to ask you is: with the, the continued absence of Kyoko, who was so prominent at the start, it looks like Jack Demarcus is very much going to be the main man at centre forward. So. So, what's your thoughts in the run-in and? Um, I would feel so much more confident overall if we had Kiel go back. I think we all would. Uh, was he scored 16, 18 goals or something this season? And he, he must have missed more games than he's actually played. Guys, can, can, I just, can I just jump in for two seconds? I heard today that Kyle goes back in training and he's running on the pitch. Excellent. Excellent news to hear. Uh, I wouldn't rush him back, though. Uh Let's get that out of the way. Uh, if, if it means we only see him for the last three, four games, I'll, I'll take that rather than get him in in the next two games and burn him out again. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be a lot more confident if we had Kyle go back in. He's on 16 or 18 goals or something. I'd imagine if we had him back in next week, he had seven games to go. I think he'd end up hitting 25 for the season, which is some going for a guy who's missed probably more than half the season at this stage. Um but we don't have him, and let's not risk him because right now, although the football's not been the prettiest in the last kind of four or five weeks, we have managed to grind out wins when we've had to. We've managed to score three or four goals when we need to, and that big Dutch man, sorry, the big Greek man himself from Holland, obviously, uh, when we signed him, uh, Giamakis is is on top form right now, and he's proven me wrong. I had so many doubts about this guy when he first came in. He's what 26, 27 when he when we signed him, I think. Definitely his second half of the twenties rather than his early half. And it looked like last year was his only season of scoring goals. Every other season before that was like four, five, six, seven goals tops at points for throughout his career. I had massive doubts about him coming in. Uh the primary movers and trying to force us out of business for good in nineteen fifty two and I'm flying on the track one of the biggest in the SFA and the Hibs chairman was the complicit stooge. I take it you wanted me to read that out there, Paddy. I'm not sorry, I was pointing out to Gav. Uh, I'm like, ties in with, what, I, with what I read about it. I, when uh, all the Scottish football turned against Celtic and were made to feel like the Irish immigrants is, is of our ancestors, Aye. probably did many years ago. I, 
Uh, aye, so we to then, um, obviously it'd be a bonus if Kyogo came back, but you're kind of won over by Jack and Marcus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is that now? He's nine goals, I think it is, and I think I saw one of the, the Twitter feeds that Agent Scotland or SPFL inside Bant or whatever it is, um, made a point that it's nine goals and all nine goals have been like one-touch goals sort of thing, one-touch shots. So he, he's proven exactly what I think we all understood him to be, is that yeah. kind of running on the line, kind of ping a ball in and he'll get on the end of something, he'll just direct it into the goal the way you want. He's not quite a poacher, but you, you want like a poacher goal. And he's ah. he's proven me wrong. My, my, my doubts at the start of the season when he was unfit and he wasn't playing games was that he was an absolute dud. But how wrong could I be at this stage? Well, well, well see what you said there, McGinty, about having a, a kind of striker or a poacher. We've not really had a, a forward who kind of stays more centrally since probably Big Moose than Bailey. Um, but def- definitely, we've kind of focused on players who like to come in, uh, come outside the box, like to drift wide, drift off the left, kind of run at people. Like Edward, Edward was was clearly the star man for us uh, for for a long, long time. But Edward was best when he had the ball at his feet and he was running towards defenders. It was never really that good when he had his, well, it was never as good. Sorry, when he had his back to goal, it was never as good when he was leading the line as a focal striker. But now we've got we've got a really good mixture. We've got Kyogo who he's his biggest quality is clearly playing on the shoulder of the defenders, finding space, ghosting in at the back. We've got Abada who's also kinda has got some of the traits as well, who's who's deputized at times. You've got Maeda who's come in who can play anywhere across the front three. He's got that speed. He's got that burst of pace. Again, he's not a player who looks at his fastest when he's got the ball at his feet, taking on a person, but when somebody plays him in, he is rapid without the ball. So that is is an explosive kind of attribute. But with Jack and Marcus, you've got a guy who, if you feed him the ball and the penalty box, the, the good chance is that he's going to score. He's strong. He's bullish. I at times he looks like a fucking donkey on ice, but more times than none, it doesn't matter. The ball will end up getting off his ass or something. That's a guy who you need. You need a guy like that who's going to be like a. Ali McCoy's made a career at it. A fucking mm. just scoring goals. He would score tap-ins. He would score with the with the goalie dropping the ball. He would score deflected shots. He would score fucking goals off his ass. You know what I mean? We always need a player like that who can get you those goals. And it's absolutely amazing that we've now got a good blend and we're not just relying on somebody up front like an Edward himself and bringing in, I don't know, some fucking absolute donkey as a backup. We've got good options here. I, th- I think it's definitely something to be excited about going forward. And when you, you take in other players that are now starting to get some game time and the likes of Dembele, um, a shame to see how forced seasons pan out. But when you take in somebody like Dembele, if we can tie him down and you look towards next season, thinking, right, Giamakis is bedding in, Kyogo will be back fully fit, Maeda's going to be signed on a permanent, I presume we're still taking that option up. And you start looking around the, the kind of front line, you could end up having Jot on the left with Maeda able to deputise there, Kyogo through the middle, 
with Jamak is giving you that something different, a bad on the right, with the belly giving you something different on the right, and all three positions, everybody's able to, within reason, do a secondary role. A badder can play through the middle if you have to. So can Maeda. Jota and Dembele can flip sides. A badder can flip sides. It's very, very exciting if we can get this all in place again. I'm just going to, um, just going to jump into the, co uh, the comments, lads. Sorry for buttoning. Uh, no, I've been reading them. Um, one comment that um, Jilfil put up was, we don't have like, a proper good set piece taker. So see whenever we've got the ball at like, 25 yards out, 30 yards out. I've got I've got no confidence that, that we're going to really make the keeper work. Uh, I think that's a good point. Rangers have got Tavernier. We don't really have anybody. Like, obviously, Juranovic is good at penalties, but I've not seen yet him, him uh, trouble the keeper from uh, 25, 30 yards out. What do you think of that? I think that's a, a crucial kind of, a crucial element that we don't have in our team. Oh, take I've, I've, absolutely, mate. I've, I've, I've kind of said it for a long, long time that we don't have anybody who's exceptionally good at like a like a free kick or a corner. Uh, O'Reilly actually looks new as if he's, he's pretty decent. But you look at the guys who takes the free kicks, it's usually the new, it's McGregor or Gennarovic or I think even Rogic just took a couple. Um, before that, you're looking to maybe Turnbull, I think, was the guy who was generally right. taking all the set pieces. And you have no got anybody there who is really, really good. So, do you try and employ somebody just for that? No. Do you try your best and find the total package, somebody that can actually play football and has got that amazing attribute oh, of getting yeah. the goal, of getting the ball on target for a fucking fair, fair spot? Of course. I agree with you. Um, without digressing too much, like I, I totally agree with don't buy someone just because they're good at free kicks. There was this argument with the England team. And you've got James Ward-Prowse shit hot, one of the best in Europe at free kicks, but he doesn't, he doesn't get a place in England team because it's all-round game. Like it's good enough for Southampton, but there's just better competition uh, for the England midfield. That's why he doesn't get a game, even though he's one of the best set peace takers in England. So that's that kind of ties in with your point. It's not good enough to, to get your place in the team. We just need to make do with what we've got. And there's 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 one for me getting the answer in a couple of minutes when we go through the rest of the comments. Uh, Sean Smiley, here, here, boys. How much of a stoner did McGinty get with, with Karamoko coming on? Sure, <laughs> um, I didn't. I never watched the game. I was so gutted to miss it when I had he came on as well. I was like, God damn. I've not even um, seen the goals. We'll, 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 we'll touch on that in a wee minute, guys. Yeah, we'll just try and get through some of your comments around. Uh, Chill, Paul. Yeah, Jackie Marcus is a brilliant instinct. Great first touch and gets into the right positions. He's a lot course, absolutely. Alan Woods, this season is so like the 97 98 season. My gut feeling is the Huns will win the semi. But we will have the chance to win the league on second last day, but we'll go to the last day of us winning it. I hope to God that doesn't happen because I'll probably be bald by the end of the season. Then. Um, I can't my heart so, really think that, but there, there is potential parallels between now and that season. I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably end up looking like Joe Hart, you know what I mean? Looking head and shoulders, my days are finished. Uh, Scott Cameron, if a bad is not playing, we have to start Karamoko and games and then get him signed up. Are you paying people for these Karamoko Dembele comments? Jim, yeah, there's, there's a few uh, Dembele comments coming through the right. Uh, Chill, Paul, again. Dembele did so much better than Johnston last night. We need to start playing him. Uh, another one for Frank. Music to my ears. Another one for Frank. Better than Johnston. That, that, that's the part that I can 
Another one through for Frank Brennan uh, talking about the historical hubs and Celtic kind of rivalry. Uh, Celtic chairman Bob Kelly knew as knew as did all the fans that this was only a complete attack on our Irish Catholic identity and had the support of all fans as they refused to take down the tricar. Mate, this is why we love you on because you have got knowledge that some people won't know. We do, but it's great to hear another kind of facet to that. So thanks very much for that. Uh, there's a comment from Countries of the World. Uh, how you doing, mate? You look as if you're a new commenter, so all right, lads. How are you doing, buddy? Tell us where you're from. Which country of the world? Aye, that mate. Aye, tell us whereabouts. Uh, there's another one for Frank. My old dad told me that Chairman Kelly was very much of a lone figure as he completely stood up for Celtic Football Club and all that we stood for as a strength given to the fact that we had broken no rules. Can you imagine that though? It's difficult to yourself in that position to think back in the 50s whenever everybody, everybody was going up on you, all the other clubs and the, the actual organisation itself was saying, you need to, you need to denounce your identity or or you're getting chucked out the league. Imagine sticking to your guns, the, the principles. I don't, I don't know if the characters of today are the same as back then. I would no, no, it, it would be easier at the end of the day, Gav, because all you would say is, I identify as Irish, and if anybody says that you'll know, then it's a hate crime. Aye, aye, play that card, yeah. Aye, aye. <laughs> aye, uh, turbulent times. Um, so, I'm again for then. Uh, Dembele, he came on uh, roughly about with like 50 minutes to go. Um, he had a, a, a role in um, the, the, the third goal. It was scrappy, but uh, he had a role in it. A good, good uh, wing play. He had a shot deflected, and then it went to Jackie Marcus, and he got a shot deflected, and it went in. But overall, uh, a positive contribution from Dembele. I know we're <laughs> going to talk about goal. Ooh. I know Dembele does Dembele. Um, so, what's your what was your thoughts on Dembele? Your gut instinct between now and the end of the season? Do you think that he might potentially sign a new contract? Or do you think uh, his numbers up? I think he's going to England to join his brother Sirike at Bournemouth, I believe. Uh, I think he's going to sign it. Um, and just as you, you kind of started touching on that, we're going to mention Dope coming up. I I would like to think that the way Ange has spoken about young talent and players who want to be at the club, he will give them every opportunity, every chance that he can. <clears throat> and we've seen that throughout the season. It's not been, you know, inundated with starting all the youngsters. He's been sensible and pragmatic about it. Once we go two or three goals up, we see Dembele coming on now that he's fitting in the match day squads. Some days we weren't seeing him, but that's days when we were only winning 1-0 or we're drawn or whatever. Um, but once we're clear and we've got that ability to put somebody on where even if they make mistakes, it's not going to cost us, especially in that final third. Um, you're seeing guys like Dembele come on. We saw Moffat do it at the start of the season. You've seen uh, Doak, uh, Ben Dokes earlier on um, start this year, calendar year as well. So I think Ange is definitely somebody who's willing to do this and help promote young talent within the club. Um, there's a whole conversation I would love to have one day with everybody about how, the, as a club, we're not that great at it for many, many years. But for this one season in this moment, Ange is clearly trying to do stuff with young talent here. And the fact that he's made comments about the likes of Ben Dokes, that if you don't want to be here, then your pathways will lie elsewhere and he will focus on talent that is here and does want to be here. He seems like he's been quite quick to drop Ben Dokes, knowing that he's 
presumably about to sign for Liverpool and a, a nice deal for himself, but he is investing time and effort into Dembele. To me, that suggests that Ange has belief in Dembele going to sign a new contract of some sorts, or else he probably wouldn't be investing this time in him if he had inclinations that Dembele was further off. You know, we, everybody's always talked about this supposed bad attitude that Dembele's got. I reckon if he's been shown that bad attitude and a desire to leave the club, Ange wouldn't be entertaining him. But he is. So I imagine that behind the scenes there is work being done. Or I hope there's work being done anyway. Well, there was a, there was a quote for Ange yesterday. Uh, well, the day before, I think it may have been yesterday, the day before, sorry. And it, was, it wasn't specifically about Ben Doak. It wasn't aimed at anybody. But as Ange does, Ange does the mince his words uh, when it comes to the right moments. And again, he got out of the line. Basically, if anybody doesn't want to be here, you know where the door is. This is, is that something you do? <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> um, strong leadership, and we've, we've definitely got that from from Ange. And uh, the the Ben Doak rumor, so Paddy, it looks like he's going to go to, to Liverpool to sign his first professional contract. Mate, listen, um, see, see, see if he does. Fair play to him, right? He's he's only played fucking one or two games for Celtic, coming as a substitute. He's what sixteen. He's going to be going to Liverpool. What he did say was, uh, well, I believe he said is that he's looking forward to playing under Klopp and experience that. Uh, I, I can't see him getting a game under Klopp, especially we're probably going to be leaving at the end of 2023 or 2024. Um, so the wee fair is clearly going down for a bit, for, for better money to go to the, a massive club like Liverpool. I don't have any ill will towards him. If we're going to lose players, then it's good that we're losing players to, I know this might anger people, but clubs like Liverpool, people like that, because it is, they're going to a good calibre. You know, we've seen players leaving and going to Bayern Munich in the last few seasons. Eh, eh, William Morris, I think, the centre-half. I eh, centre-half. The boy, eh, Angelina, the goalkeeper, he's the way to England as well. So, whereas we're, we're, we're seeing where, where players go to Big caliber of teams instead of fucking diddies. It's still a kick in the teeth to see where players are actually leaving us to go to other teams. But this is where everything's going to need to have a, an entire revamp because we all knew that under Lennon last season, no youth players were going to get a shout. We've all heard the rumours that basically youth players were saying he's not interested and in he couldn't give a monkeys. You're looking at the setup and you're looking at who's come through in the last few years. I think McGinty used to say that man of the WhatsApps uh, that we've only the likes of Tierney. Tierney was was a massive success story, but he, even he was only brought in because of an injury to Azagiri. So again, you've uncovered a gem by accident, you know. But this is this is this is this is where we need to we need to stop that because we're we're, we're just giving plus a game because such and such is injured instead of naturally bringing them in, like a Callum mm -hmm. McGregor. You look at what Callum, yeah, Callum McGregor, eh, what happened with Ronnie Dyla. He went on to Notts County, Ronnie Dyla gave them a shot, and he started playing him. Look at where he is now. He's the Celtic captain. It was the same in all way. What's worrying for me, I hear, I hear you, beginning, I, I'm sure you've got lots to say in the subject. What's worrying for me is it's not even reaching 2021. It's like 
it's like 15, 16 years old, even before they've signed their first professional contract, and they're, they're going, they're going abroad, or they're going down to Liverpool. How do we, how do we, you know, plug that leak? How do we, how do we, how do we stop that? Because we're, we're hemorrhaging good players, like, season after season. I hate that. I, I want that to stop. I want them to, because at that age, at that age, they are probably too young to, to be having a baby at 15, 16, aye, aye, of course. Um, unless you're bloody well exceptional. So how do we make them feel part of that, that the club, part of the, the squad? And a lot of it's been with the families as well, the guidance they get from that. McGinty, what's your thoughts on that? How do we stop that? Um, for me, it's, it's an easy thing to say, it's just we need to give a better pathway to the first team. And that's not necessarily just we need to give 16, 17, 18-year-olds debuts every weekend. As you alluded to in the in the group chat as well, Gavin, we can't afford to do that as a club in the position that we're in because every game, every three points, we need to win it to to be where we are. We we can't we can't sacrifice two three players every week being development and youth players. I totally get that, but there has to be a big difference. Sorry, there is a big gap, and there needs to be something done differently between the, the 16, 17-year-olds that are going off to Bayern Munich, Man City, the likes, because they've got better opportunities in development at their under-21 teams, whatever. They're getting better coaching, better development. They're then getting loaned out to better caliber of teams. They've, just the whole environment is better for them, or it seems to be better for them than what is at Celtic, where most players get to the age of 2021. 20, Stephen Welsh last year got to the age of 20 before he made his debut. And again, that was through injuries and necessity. So if, if we didn't have such a fuck-up in the defensive uh, defensive setup last year, Stephen Welsh was 20 getting his debut. When would he have got his debut? Because we can all look at Stephen Welsh as soon as he came in, the second half of last season and the first half of this season, Stephen Welsh looks a decent player. He's not the finished article, he's now 21, but he seems to be about two or three years behind his development, in my opinion because he looks like an 18 or 19-year-old, should look like for us, but he's now 21. So there needs to be somewhere in between where players are getting to the age of 18, 19, if we're not able to afford them reasonably regular game time, such as Stephen Welsh is getting this season, then we need to loan them out to a reasonably decent Cowboys squad uh, club, which for me is your Aberdeens, your Dundee United's, your Motherwells, your Hibs. Anything lower than that, there's no point. Sending players to Greenock Morton, Alloa, Rafe Rovers. No offence to these clubs, but that's not developing our players at that age that we need them to be ready for our first-team squads in a season or two. That's just loaning players out because we don't know what to do with them. And I think you're getting lots of guys like Liam Morrison who went to Bayern Munich who's looking at the, the setup here and going, well, if you're not giving me game time, you're not loaning me out, what's the point? I will see what, see what you said there about like the the kind of loan moves between players. So you look at Celtic's academy, right? and Celtic isn't like a like a Chelsea or a Man City or a whoever, like a team that will buy the best youth products in world football and hope that they can get a gem out of one of them. But if they don't, like a guy that they've bought for three million pound at sixteen, they're probably going to sell him for. Five million pound when he's nineteen or twenty, so already they've made a profit before they've before they've even given them a game, and that's what Chelsea did. They just they just hoover up all these young guys. Well, look you know at I mean? Billy Gilmore as a 
I, I don't want to talk about that mob too much, but Billy Gilmore is clearly a good player. He's done very well for Scotland in the past year. And he's made that move at 16 to Chelsea, knowing full well that he's getting hoovered up in the big world that is Chelsea's 50 loan deals a season sort of thing that they've got. And what's happened with him is that he's developed enough that he was getting, was he in the Champions League team for Chelsea at 19 or something? On the bench, was it? You don't get that opportunity. It's in Scottish football. You're never going to get that opportunity in Scottish football as being an 18, 19 year old product of talent, potential talent, and sitting on the bench, even potentially getting on in a Champions League match. You're not going to get that at Celtic or Rangers or wherever else. And second to that, you're playing at Chelsea and their youth set up and their development selves. And where's he going out on loan? Norwich. Now, Norwich aren't the greatest club in the world, but if I was a player, I'd rather be developing in a, a, in a youth setup that's akin to a Chelsea and being loaned to Norwich than sticking <clears throat> around in Celtic's non-existent development and your next option is a loan deal as Alawa or Greenock or something. I mean, the levels are just unbelievable for player development alone. They might never make it, Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern, but they're going to get loaned out to Norwich, you know, Nottingham Forest are going to get loaned out to other German teams and they might make a career of it. Look at, what's, he, what's his name? Hickey goes off to, to Italy, having yeah. a great little career. Um, the boy Henderson off to Italy as well. I think he might still be in Italy, having a great week career. Better than what they would ever get here. And that was and that was my point. Like, look at the caliber of like that comparison. When you compare that to Celtic Youth Academy, we're no signing players ten a penny to come into the youth academy and then make a massive profit on them. You look at guys like Arthur Abbey, Leah Connor, uh, what's the other boy? Luca Connell. Luca Connell. So Arthur Abbey, he's away. He's gone. He's I think he's away for nothing. Leo Connor, I think I've lost him for nothing. Uh, look at we paid 300 grand or something we paid for him so that's three of the best Irish prospects and we've no made a penny on him when was the last time that anybody came into your youth academy and we actually made a massive profit on them before they even played no we don't get that so see the boys that were signing were no signing them for that purpose so what's the point in signing all these young players we signed them to bring them through the academy, bring them through the schools, bring them through the system, and we don't play them. So you can see why Liam Morris is fucked off. You can see why Angelini's all fucked off, because they've not got a clear pathway. There's no point in being in Celtic's Youth Academy other than getting what we're offering at that level, coaching this and that and that, because they're not going to get through to the, the first team. So we're, we're actively bringing through players for other teams. You know what I mean? What we do mate, every season is we go and we sign players from project players for, say, Norway, this one here, that one, Portugal, blah, 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 blah. So we're going out and we're taking other people's academy players, hoping that they're going to be the next big player. So see, instead of taking academy players from other academies and try to bring them through as first team, why don't we date the Marine academies and give the boys a shot? Because we're fucking, we are as, what's the word, um, uh, we're as snobby towards the Scottish system and Scottish players that, that the English are, to our own players. We'd rather go out and buy projects from other academies instead of using our own. Brendan Rodgers was the last one that came through and says, I'm not going to look for a £10 million player because I should be able to go to my academy and find that. 
Did they do it? No. Did they fuck? We don't do it, and we need to start doing it because what's the point having an academy? What's the point having an academy? I know your McGeeds are probably paid for it. Your tierneys, this one and that one, but we don't. We're not getting. We're not getting the benefits of that in the first team. But, but since since Lennox Town has been a, a thing, sorry, Gav. Since Lennox Town has been a thing, how many players have actually came through that have made a great impact that we've been able to sell off? I.e., Kiontini. Aidan McGeady yeah. was pre Lennox Town, if I remember correctly. So you've got Tierney and Cal McGregor. I am struggling. I can name you a few players who have came through who have maybe benefited for benefited from the academy, went on elsewhere, and made an all right career for themselves. But they're not benefited Celtic. Your closest you're going to get to that is Mikey John just now. But you look at the Henderson brothers; they've came through the academy. All credit to them, but they're not doing much for Celtic, are they? Mm. We are lacking here. Just to kind of touch on both your points, I think I, I agree with everything. I, I can't disagree with a single thing that you've said. So one thing I definitely agree, we need the role models. We need to, to see those clear pathways, the, the, the people that you aspire to be, to say, you, you want a wee arrogant guy in the youth academy to say, I'm going to um, emulate exactly what Kieran Tierney did. I'm going to emulate everything that Callum McGregor did. You want characters in, the, in Lennox Town to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be better than him. So you want to see those clear pathways. You want to see people haven't already set a precedent. But another thing that I would like to see is for Ange to identify why we're hemorrhaging these players and to change the culture. You know, whenever you think about the old school managers, people like Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, he knew all the, 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 the youth players at Carrington and Manchester. He would know not only their names, but their parents' names. He would have already spoken to their parents on the phone, know where they live. He could actually take somebody totally aback by surprise and just say, how's your mother doing? And, and actually say something relatable, that personal touch. I think we're totally missing that in the modern day and age. I think change the culture, have that personal engagement, the engagement with their families so that their families know that their boys are with the right club and that they have got no aspirations to send their children down to, to England to earn a quick buck because they know that their future will be taken care of at Lennox Town. I want to see that happen. That Hopefully Ange can identify what needs to be changed and can implement that. But I think, I don't know if he can do it all on his own, but he might need a, a helping hand. Um, and we'll that, we'll that, that, there, that there, Gavin, is why and where a director of football should come in. Because that's what he or she, if it would be the case, that's what they should be doing. They should be taking exactly everything we're talking about, implementing it and making sure that everybody sings off the same hymn sheet. And they're the ones, especially Ange as well, but the director of football is the one who's making sure everybody knows this is the pathway, this is what you're meant to be doing. As you say, understand all the kids' names, their parents' names, or I said, get that little familiar touch and uh, make sure that everybody's comfortable at all levels. That should be the guy who oversees it all because it is too much for one person like Ange, although he's making a cracking uh, shot at it just now and he's doing a fantastic job. Mate, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. I need to totally disagree with you there because... Teams managed to do this years and years ago with, with a handful of guys. It would be your ma it would be your a, a director of your club, it would be the manager, and it would be like your, your youth team coach. And they all managed to bring through natural players from youth team academies to the first team. You didn't need a thousand members of staff, you didn't need a director of football, you didn't need this, you just needed teams to actually give these young guys a chance. 
let them sink or swim was the old saying. You know what I mean? But now there's so much emphasis put on stats and this and that. And I, I, I see what you're saying about a director of football, but you've 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 got one at youth level. You've got Chris McCart who runs the youth academy. He's supposed to be kind of the the de facto director of football of the youth side. So if he's no if if he's no help to produce players through, then clearly that's a problem there or not. Perhaps he needs to be looked at his his position as the guys that's there already, like your Tommy McIntyre, who's the manager, is are they doing enough to bring through? I think they are. I just don't think there's a clear there's, there's clear opportunities for these young guys to come and get a game. You know what I mean? No, the guy who runs the first team is Ange Postecoglou, is the manager. The manager will ultimately be the guy who picks these players. So the manager really needs to be in tandem with the young players. The young players, your Celtic B team, your Colts, they need to be playing the same formation as your first team because there's no point in Ange playing a 4-3-3 and then Tommy McIntyre playing a 3-5-2 because you're not going to get young boys playing week in, week out in one formation and then being able to step up and go and try and slot in a different formation. They need and to be playing the same. It needs to be like for like. Like yeah. If we do get an injury, it needs to have a guy like Boston Laval, who we've all seen and we think he's brilliant, being able to just plop right into the centre-back, which is a potential. You've got a couple of really, really good young gems in, in that team now who could be potential first-teamers if they're yeah. given the chance. And luckily for us the now, I think we've got a manager who will do it. Obviously, this season, it's not a massive a massive requirement that we fulfil youth players into this season because we all know what we want this season, first and foremost. But the manager's doing it. He's had, he's had to do it out of necessity, but he's also doing it out of efforts to try it. He's had to do it at the start with Dane, uh, Dane Murray, Stephen Welsh, Adam Montgomery. He's now doing it off his own back with guys like Doak, Moffat, players like that. Yeah, young um, Toby Olabumye. He's been on the bench a few times as well, which is great. It's great for these young guys to get that experience. And even if they're part, if they don't play, they're still part of the match day squad. So they're still getting that experience and saying, wow, this is what it's like to play for Celtic. This is me getting my chance. I'm getting one toe in the door. If I, if I keep developing in the coach team, I'm going to get noticed and I will get a chance. If the manager is telling these guys, I believe in you, then they'll believe in him. So everybody has got to be on one page. But again, that's for me, not to keep labouring point, that's where director of football comes in. As you're saying about the, the same formations and styles of football, he's the kind of guy who should be there making sure that if your Chris McCarts and your Tommy McIntyres aren't doing their part properly, that he brings in guys who will do that part properly and they do it in line with what the manager at the first team's doing so that everybody is singing off that same hymn sheet. He becomes the the de facto kind of runner of all aspects of the football club with individual departments such as Ange at the first team and Tommy and whatnot in the lowest levels of teams. Anyway, I don't want to keep laboring that point too much. Obviously, we've covered this ground many, many times before. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Rudy Bata. Like, I don't know if it might be next season Rocco before. What have we got for Frank Brennan? The, the cream will always rise to the, the top and if they are good enough and even more important, they are determined enough. They have the right attitude. The right attitude is the most important thing, I think. Uh, then they will make it. But as I've already said, 98% of them never, ever make it. 
Aye, it's uh, it is true, Frank, that many people won't, the vast majority of people won't make it compared to the ones they do. But for me at Celtic, what would be 12, 14 years of having Lennox Town, two have made it. That's not enough. I think, no I think listen, we're not asking for to have a full team of youth products put out every single year. I think you realistically, you're maybe looking at three per season. Do you know what I mean? But if you look at the, the positions that we've actually brought through, there's been hardly anybody through the, in the central areas other than uh, Stevie Welsh. You know, the goalkeepers that we've kind of had uh, get, given a chance to has been Connor Hazard, the big man's pish. Um, I don't know. You, 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 you've definitely got guys there who's got quality and could, 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 could be good. You know what I mean? We should be looking at the next five years. If we've got a bunch of 16, 17, 18-year-olds, in the next five years, we should be looking at these guys being 21, 22, 23. And for me, the names that we should be looking to hopefully have in our first-team squad in five years' time should be your Toby from uh, from the goalkeeper position, your Dean Murray's, your Bolson Lawal, who obviously we bought in at the start of the season anyway, your Rocco Vatas, your Moffitts, Ben Dokoki, he's about to, to leave at this point. These are names that we should be talking about now as we know them as 16, 17-year-olds and say, right, you're close to it, but in five years' time, I want to see as many of these names in the first-team squad as possible. Unfortunately, as stats are going, none of them will make it. I, I would like... I, okay, I'm going to make my last point. Okay, I, hope, I hope you guys take it as indicators. We can move on to something else. <laughs> I, I just want to keep talking about it, but... Um, one thing I would say is quality with youth, it comes in cycles. It's not a science, but it happens every year. You, you think about the class of 92, again, going back to Carrington and Manchester United. They're talking about the class of 92 because they've not, they've not repeated that same feat. It doesn't happen every year. And if you think about the, the, the personnel and the money that they've invested in the, the Manchester United Academy, the reason it doesn't happen every year is because it's not a sweet science. They're just... Sometimes it comes in cycles and you get a bunch of great players and other times you're just waiting for years and years before it happens again. Um, but all you can do is just put in the infrastructure and just hope and hope that they've got, they've got good mindsets, good families, are grounded and they, they've got examples to, to look up to. Um, well, that, that, that was my point, Gav, of when, we, when we, you and I were speaking about Scott Brown potentially or hypothetically coming into a role with the juniors. If they've got a guy who has won multiple leagues, you know, he's been Mr. Professional, he's he's been Mr. Celtic, he's been the captain. If they've got somebody like that in that position, giving them advice, talking them through things, and giving them a giving them a, an example to emulate to, you know what I mean? It can he it can he go wrong? And I, I think I think to be fair, you've heard that in the last couple of years with, with Darren Aday, uh, Steve McManus. You know, I mean, these are guys that have been away managing uh, the youth teams in Motherwell who regularly get a game because Motherwell are a team that focus on bringing through youth players, probably because they're not exactly cash cash rich. You know what I mean? But they, 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 they actually give their, their, their boys a, a chance. So that's why we went and took in McManus in a day, is to actually try and help to develop younger players. Last season was a write-off. We've all heard it. We all knew why. But like Joseph Agnew there saying the new, uh, the quality street gang comes to mind. Exactly. 
would you have had a quality street if if they'd been out and signed players for Dundee or Habs or this or that? No, you wouldn't have. You don't know until you give these boys a chance. And you look at guys like, I don't know, fucking Rocco Quinn or something back in your days. How do we know that these players wouldn't have had a different career path if they'd have actually got a chance for Celtic? Is it right in the stars? I don't know. You know what I mean? uh, look, look, we were talking about it last night. Look. So the thing with Tierney is Tierney wasn't making waves in the youth. He got, he got um, Ronnie Dyler needed somebody for the youth team because one of our left-backs was, was injured in training. He spoke to whoever was uh, the... The youth guy at the time, he says, give me, give me a player. And Kieran, Kieran Tierney trotted over. And he made a good impact in the training session. Even though he was about third in the pecking order at his age group. I remember listening to the interview he had with Open Goal about this with Simon Ferry. So he wasn't even the best at his age group. But fortuitously, he got a chance with the Celtic uh, first team in training. And he made an impression. And he was asked back and asked back again. And eventually he was given his chance. It's... That, that that's just you can't really explain that if you're not even the best at your age level but you're doing it against the, the big boys how can you explain that that's you know that, that that's weird and then you've got you've got the the guys who are who are making waves at their age level the the morrison guy who went away to um to to to, to, to buy munich and then the boy doak who's obviously been making waves at his age level and he's getting the big opportunity to go to to, to liverpool it swings and roundabouts. Sometimes you can see that they've got talent, and other times, if you just put them into the trenches, then it'll, they might not have even shown any signs before that they had that talent, that they had that mindset. But if you give them the ball in a big game, they can actually do something. You're like, whoa! And that, that's that's them. They've made their career out of it. Um, I don't think there's a sweet science to it. Just sometimes it's just big chances that that, that people come to the fore. I of course, but this is what you need to ask yourself, like. When you're looking at the the gulf between you're looking at the gulf between Celtic B team and even the first team, right? Are we bringing through maybe say like four four players a week and putting them into first team training so that the manager can actually see how they go with the big boys, how they're going to apply themselves? Can they rise to the challenge? Are they willing to actually put themselves in the short window? Are they just are they just wee daft? Spoil overpaid wains just to kick the football about on the training ground, no trying. What's their attitude like in the dressing room? Are they cheeky wee cunts? Did they get on with the rest of the guys? Did they take kind of did they take advice? Did they get on well with the players? Because if you bring through a wee asshole to the youth team and he's just a cheeky, spoiled, ignorant little fucker, the chances are that the guys in the first team won't actually like him. So are they going to integrate into the squad room as well? Do you know what I mean? There's there's so many personal traits and characteristics that's, that works off the pitch, which translates onto the pitch. You know what I mean? I just, um, think, I just think we need to have a, we need to at least have a nucleus of maybe say three to five young guys who are trying to bring through every season. If they're no one as, as first team players, we'll still give them like maybe say 10 fucking substitute appearances at least to see how it is rather than giving them one or two games with three or, or four minutes left to go. Give them 25 minutes, 15 minutes, but at least give them 10 games of a stretch rather than just the odd we, aye, we, we should be identifying these players, and this is why 16-year-olds Ben Dokes and Liam Morrison's are buggering off to other countries. At 16, they already recognise that they've they've got the confidence in themselves and they, they understand that the buzz and the hype around their names at their, their level. 
But they're looking at Celtic and seeing, well, I'm 16, 17. I ain't getting no chance for at least another four years. We should be giving these guys some sort of chance. I'm not saying start them. I'm, I'm agreeing with Paddy. You know, give them a proper 15, 20 minutes a few times a season. And see if they do step up. And it happens that we end up getting a 16, 17-year-old who lights the place up. Brilliant. But see if they don't, but we see just enough. We need to figure out a loan system where we can actually get these guys out somewhere else at a decent level to get good experience so that they can come back to us at 18 or 19 and are ready to go a la, you know, bringing in um, a bad of this year's a 19-year-old. These guys can work, 18 or 19-year-olds can work at a level at Celtic if they've already been developed. But sitting on our bench or sitting on the uh, the B teams, not good enough. And most of these players know it by now. Anyway, we keep laboring on. A lot of good comments, really. A lot of good comments. Can't disagree. Uh, Joe Curran said he's been uh, coaching football teams for the past seven odd year. And Alan, Alan was saying again what you said at the very start of this kind of topic was you agree that we can't just give them games because right now every point is a prisoner. So there's so much expectancy that we need to win every game that we don't have the luxury of just blooding in players so so luxuriously like, like that. But you need to be more kind of Tuesday about when you, you have those moments to do that. So it's, it's quite a, a thin line. And a thin line. They need to see the reward, but they're going to get the game time. But at the same time, we need to win every single game. Gavin, your priorities. Gavin's a great comment coming up for Kevin. Uh, it's controversial, but we should be bloodying players in cups. Absolutely. Arsenal is the, is the team that springs to mind. They play the reserve players in the cup. I would be more than happy to see something uh, I think that went down like a lead balloon with the Arsenal fans. I wouldn't be changing my whole team, but I would be. See, he's got uh, saying like every week getting you know four or five into the first team training every week. I would be definitely doing something like that for cup games, especially the League Cup. And I wouldn't be putting four or five of them into the starting team. But your goalkeeper, that young Toby guy, looked absolutely fantastic when we saw him at the B, B team. Like a little cat leaping around everywhere, he, he was pretty pretty agile. I'd be putting the guy like him now at this age into the League Cup and saying, if you can impress enough in the League Cup, that's five games, you'll get a further chance later on. And it, it lets you see them. Maybe Dane Murray would start that game as well. Maybe that's your limit. Maybe, maybe after that, it is actual French players in the first team squad. So, you know, Abada plays most games, so Forrest would get his crack at the whip again, or you know, Mikey Johnson would get the crack at, at the whip again. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be going all in on five, six, seven, seventeen-year-olds. But one or two should be oh, in can, and around that squad. Can, you can play four. You know what I mean? Because they're going to be played by big boys anyway. At cold teams, you're going to have players yeah. trapped through and playing at that level. And if they're in training with the first team, then I, they've got that experience. But I, 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 I hate to, I hate to digress. I think the no, the death. The death of our reserve football has been an absolute killer. Whenever you've got youth blended with like experienced pros and not getting a regular game in the first team, I think the death of that and like people like Joe Curran, as you said, tells what your thoughts are on the, the impact of reserve football being uh, kicked to the cup. Uh, the only yeah. good news is that we've got the um, the, the Colts. Their their involvement in the Lowland League has been extended for one more season. We knew that this season was on a trial basis. But Celtic and Rangers coach team are now going to have an extension for another year anyway. So that, that's good, but it's not as good as the reserve infrastructure that we had beforehand. 
Uh, so here we've got from Frank Brennan. Not controversial at all, Kevin and the League Cup in particular should be used. Is, is he saying Kevin and the League Cup in particular? He's, just, I, he's responding to another comment. Uh, to, try, to try out youngsters to see if they are mentally strong enough to deal with playing against men, kicking them up in the air. I, I've got to admit, actually, like a couple of my pals thought that um, the the, the Lowland League was a step too far for our young boys, but I think that they've acquitted themselves well against them. Um, you know, you know, like really going there. Um, and there's 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 Davy Boy as well. Gav uh, says Bodo Glunt made it a part of the structure of the club that a certain percentage of the first team squad of youth, a, a percentage of local players, Norwegian, and the rest are if good enough, you'll play. Quotas, quotas. What do you think of quotas, McGinty, for for youth? Um, I'm not against it, especially when it comes to something like the uh, the League Cup, but I wouldn't be too quick to make it uh, a mandatory thing. I think we need to be, as you said earlier, Gavin, and it's been in the comments as well, um, we need it all three points all the time. So I, I, would, I would be against it being forced upon us, but I think as a club we should be actively, especially come League Cup time, we should be actively looking to to bring in more players and if it means a little kind of unofficial we're going to bring in four youth players every league cup game so be it it would be beneficial i think long term um pardon me if you don't want to go off topic but i was going to bring up the, the international uh, game so we've had o'reilly has been called up to denmark under 21s wanted to know what your thoughts are on that and the fact that he never got that international recognition at MK Dons when he was playing regularly. But as soon as he signs for Celtic and he's played a few games, then at that point he gets the international um, call-up. I think that's a wee bit unfair on players who never got that opportunity to come to Celtic that they might not get that international recognition. But at the same time, it does show you the benefits of why you signed for a club like Celtic. Paddy, what do you think of that point? Sorry, mate. I totally, totally zoned out the other. <laughs> Sorry. What was it? What was it? What was the basis? The crux of your point now? Um, I, no. Shut up. <laughs> no, no. Sorry. Sorry. What was that? Family John. Okay. So, um, O'Reilly has been called up to the Denmark under twenty ones. However, oh. that's really, that 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 has only been um come about because the the move was engineered to Celtic. So yeah. it's one way good because that's what we bring to to these players that. They come to Celtic to get the exposure. They can get the international recognition. But at the same time, I feel I feel for for players of um of his background, of his kind of situation, where if you don't get recognised by Celtic, then you don't get that exposure. Hence, you might be playing in those leagues for for years and years and years without getting a call up. So I, I see both sides of it. But... Aye, aye. Sorry, sorry about that, mate. I did that just realise. <laughs> um, no, I see what you're saying, but like that's the that's the allure of the draw coming to Celtic. And that's you know when when that happens, like say O'Reilly, I mean he's he was eligible for England. That obviously never happened, and then I think it was uh, Norway and somebody else. It was uh, Denmark, sorry. So he, he, he's eventually picked picked a side, um, and as I say, that's something that when you side for Celtic, it opens up so many other doors, and that's one of the, the selling points of our club. Even though we might not be as cash rich as a team doing an England's first team, eh, England's Premiership League, sorry, we can offer attempts at Europe every season. We can offer 
absolutely competing for cups, competing for leagues. We can offer you a platform to showcase your skills for the fucking, what's the word, the, the stepping stone, if you want to call it that, you know, which unfortunately it works both ways. We end up getting financial benefits for that, but we end up losing players after a, a certain amount of time. So, but at the end of the day, again, I've just used that sentence and I absolutely hate it as twice a day. Um, football is all about using people. You use people for their talents to gain for your club and vice versa. People use your club to gain for themselves. You know what I mean? So it works in tandem, swings around roundabouts. Everybody's happy when they benefit. So it's great for O'Reilly that he's getting the international. McGinty, Ralston has been snubbed again for Scotland. Um, so O'Donnell and Patterson um, have been uh, have, uh, superseded them. So Don't get it. Don't get it. So Patterson had played, what, five, eight games for Rangers in the last year and a half, whatever it was. Uh, sub appearances, whatever. He, I, don't, I don't know. He barely kicked a ball. Um, moves to Everton in January. And for the last three and a half months, has played the grand total of 45 minutes against a League One team in the Cup and was subbed at halftime. So um, no idea how Patterson gets that call up over Ralston. Generally no idea. Um Sure, the kid might have a lot of potential, but he's not playing football, so no. Um, Stephen O'Donnell, I saw a stat earlier on that I think between O'Donnell and Ralston, they're about 23 games, 21 games each. And O'Donnell's got no assists, no goals, five yellow cards and zero red cards, whereas Anthony Ralston has like five goals, seven assists in that same time. So Ralston clearly offers more to a, to, to a team. So... No idea why Ralston's not picked over at least one of them. Um, O'Donnell seems to be favoured because he had the peak performance of his entire career against England last summer and now seems undroppable. Uh, but no, I, I just do not get it at all. How, how Ralston... And I, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of Ralston before. No. <laughs> Jesus, Davey. Who's going to need it? I'll need it. David Boy Celtic O'Donnell is a Stevie Clark spunk gargoyle from his Kelly days. <laughs> nice. Um, but I mean, you can't even call it any sort of bias because we know Steve Clark's Celtic minded and Celtic leans and that kind of way. So we know he's not, not picking Celtic players for any bad reasons. So I just don't get it. I, I don't get it when Ralston has literally proven this season to be the best right back in this country. I don't get it. Well, I mean, no, no, he's not proving. He's not proving the best right back in this country. Joseph's better than him, but he's well, proven that, to be the best Scottish. Well, according to David Boy, obviously Steve Clark's got the, the better end of the deal there. Just so somebody gave him a reach around. I think uh, Steve Clark is very, very guilty of uh, being uh, being loyal to players. Because in the Euros at Paddy, I know that you're not you're not a big Scotland uh, fan, uh, which is fair enough, and I, I, I'm much, much the same. The international scene doesn't really do it for me. Um, but in the Euros for Scotland, like Patterson started like, the first two games, and everybody was clamouring for... Uh, for O'Donnell was starting the first two games, and everybody was clamouring that Patterson start. He then got the, the third game, and I thought he did impress. So I think Patterson is now the golden child of Clark at right-back, but 
O'Donnell is still kind of, you know, skulking about. I don't know why. If he surplus the requirements, get a, get rid of him and put in Ralston then and let Ralston yeah, exactly, pass. Exactly, that should be Ralston and Patterson. I've Ralston never, is the slightly more experienced one, so he's your go-to. And Patterson, for the high potential, I don't see why O'Donnell's anywhere near this team. I've never seen well, this boy Patterson. But, yeah. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know how he plays. I'm just assuming he's like the second coming of Jesus, the way some people <laughs> go about him. But um, no, listen, you've got you've, you've got Ralston there who has been he's been so pivotal to Celtic's performances early on in the season. I think he's still got the second highest assists. So why not have a guy like that who is all about running, all about strength, all about providing? And he's now transformed it an even better player than just a bog standard SPL standard right back. You know, you know what's even weirder. We've uh, we've got Robertson and Tierney and Greg Taylor announcing this squad. Why have we got three left backs there and two right Greg, backs? And Greg, Greg Taylor. Taylor's the one. Aye, Greg Taylor's getting picked over Anthony Ralston here. Greg Taylor's not getting in, in ahead of. Andy Robertson at left back. Presume that Tierney's going to play left centre back in a back three, but he's not getting ahead of Robertson. And if something drastic happened to Robertson that Robertson can't play, we're going to put Tierney at left back. Let's be honest. So I don't even see why Taylor's there. So how the hell's why we not playing Robertson? Who does he not play Tierney at right back as well? He has done in past year, but not. So Tierney. Left side is centre back of a back three. You've got Robertson left wing back, but he's also called up Taylor. He's also called up Hickey too, and both of them are left backs. Um, and then on right on the right you've got O'Donnell and you've got Patterson, but no Nelson. I, I think we can all agree that Hickey's playing well in, in Italian football. If you, anybody's keeping any tracks of him, so you can you can agree and accept Hickey getting a call up. If we're going to be calling up multiple left backs. It just baffles me that we still call up Greg Taylor and not Anthony Ralston. And that's two Celtic players. This isn't, like I said earlier, this isn't some sort of witch hunt against Celtic players here. Clearly, it's not. It's just mind-boggling that Ralston's not picked. Well, as some of the guys are saying, it's, um, it's a shame for him, like, but who gives a fuck because he's not going to at least get injured playing for Scotland, which I'm more than happy to go along with that line. And uh, chill, Paul. Fuck Scotland, it's all about the Celtic. I agree with that, Paul. I, I, I do agree. I do agree. Although I do have Celtic. <laughs> Baby boy, Celtic. Taylor is another Kelly Gardler. Fuck that. Patterson had a purple patch and a lot of friends behind the scenes pushing him into the limelight. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie Clark's a popular man. Definitely Stevie. sounds more like a who you know situation in the Scottish setup just now. I do have to go with the, uh, the gargoyles. Ralston's going to just be eligible for Scotland, you know. He, he doesn't have, as far as I'm aware, any alternative countries that he could. Um, well, he's already a cap now for Scotland, so he's fucking tied to them, you know what I mean? But if you've, if you've got a really obtuse manager like Steve Clark, who's not recognising people who's putting a, a lot of hard work and had the tangible success with the goals and with the assists on top of the league, you know what I mean? If you don't get rewarded for that, then. And you're picking some guy on reputation who's playing for a relegation threatened club and who's not even getting a game. What is it? 
John Joe Kenny is getting a game ahead of Patterson. Is that is that the script? He's third choice. Aye. Exactly. Patterson's now third choice at Everton. The same way that John Joe Kenny was third choice at Everton, we took him on loan and we all went, what the hell is this? John Joe Kenny's now ahead of Patterson and Patterson's now third choice. Right, guys, what else are we talking about? Uh, we'll get uh, Ross County Saturday, I think it is, this weekend. It's a Saturday, oh, eh? Saturday, yeah. Saturday, back to back to Saturdays, three pm. Okay, okay, and uh, less less midweek games as well. So we'll get better. Eight games left in the week. Um, right, so um, you kind of look at it as a scoosh, uh, but hopefully we'll have everybody back. I think uh, Jota Jota had like a slight knock, and Abada had a, a small illness, but. And alluded to both of them should be available for this weekend. So, Paddy, uh, a wee bit early, but what's your prediction? What's your gut feeling for the game Saturday? Uh, I can't see it being anything other than a Celtic win, and that's not be being pompous or fucking smug or anything. I just think that we have got too much, too much confidence coming into this game. We're back at Celtic Park. We're back at the big open pitch. I think I can't see Ross County being that team that's going to try and come away from home and try and outplay us. You know, maybe if it was up in Dingwall, they would top a go at us, but I don't think they'll do it in Celtic Park because of the big old pitch. The only thing I'm, I would be wary of is the boy uh, Hungbo, which is a brilliant name, by the way. He He's very, very fast, direct, plays on the right hand side, left foot. I don't know if he's available, uh, but he's, he's always one that I. Uh, that I see being a standout for Ross County. But as I say, we've got a lot of quality, a lot of guys playing at top level the now. Hatati, I thought was brilliant the other night. So if he can come back into the weekend's game with that kind of gusto, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, aye, aye, and aye, fuck it. I'm going to go for 3 0 Celtic. Uh-huh. I honestly thought the big impact the party made was that tackle, which ended the yellow card. Uh, McGinnon, what's your thoughts for this weekend? Um, I think we've scored quite a few goals lately. Uh, I would like to see us keep that trend up. I want to see Big Giamakis getting a, another goal or two. Maybe see Dembele get on the goal sheet now as well. So I'll go with a, a 3 or 4 0 win. I don't see us conceding. And d- I think d- we're d- quite solid. Is, it, is that Dembele scoring, scoring all four goals and assisting himself? <laughs> Nah, we'll, we'll give the belly a hat trick and we'll let him assist Jim Marcus. I've got to tell you, it's every victory that comes, every elite victory, we're just ticking off eight, seven. See the relief, the relief of every three points every weekend, man. I think, I think if we beat them in the next league game, six points clear, I think that's it. I know mathematically it's not, but I think once you get to that point and you're saying, right, five games to go, six games to go, whatever it is, with six points clear. I think at that point, everybody's just going to go, it's done. Uh, if we can somewhat, as fans, players better not relax. Players better not let up. But as fans, I think we can be like, I think we've got it. So from Frank Bennon, so how would my fellow Tibbs feel about Celtic Park being renamed the Paddy Power? Paddy would fucking love that. And return for some millions. Uh, Lennox then being renamed the Guinness Training Centre again for more millions. We actually spoke about this on the podcast about do it, um, like, you know, the commercialisation of football. It happens everywhere. Like even like teams like Bruce Dortmund, 
who you think that they're, they're so linked to their fans, they've got such a good relationship with the fans. But even even their stadium is called it the the Signal Igunda or something like that. It's like after a, a telecoms company. Um, I would I would be okay with it. We would always refer to it as Celtic Park. I'd be okay with it. And uh, it, making extra millions is a massive thing for Celtic. That's why we're having to kind of sell our souls, if you want to call it that, by going to Australia and having this Celtic and Rangers friendly game. Um, that's not maybe palatable to some people, but maybe they'd be more in favour of renaming Celtic Park and renaming Lennoxtown. Although Paddy made a good point a couple of weeks ago, renaming Lennoxtown to Tommy Burns Academy and something like that. But the, the stadium rights, everybody's doing it. Everybody's selling it for grand yeah. for, for a million here or there. So. As long as it's not something fucking stupid, I don't think anybody will really give a flying fuck. You know, it's always going to be Celtic Park. It's always going to be Paradise. It's always going to be Parkhead. You know, I mean, three names synonymous with that stadium. So where do they call it? The fucking the Surat Bang Stadium or whatever the fuck. You know, what I mean, it's always going to be. It's always going to be one place, mate. The home of Celtic. <laughs> We were talking about the 50s earlier on in this episode and there was a, a time, a time in football when it would have been unthinkable to have thought about branding on your your, your short sponsor. Mm. But that happened. So now, now we're in the time of renaming stadiums. Are we delaying the inevitable? I think it's going to happen eventually. I Paddy thought it would have happened long before now and I, I would happily do it because as Paddy says, between us three and the guys in the chat and everybody else who goes to the games... Uh, it supports the club. We're going to call it Celtic Park. We're going to call it Paradise. Some people even call it Parkhead, and that's not even an official name. Um, but we're not going to change that, no matter what they call it. But within reason, let's not call it something totally stupid. But yeah, if anybody wants to come in and say the Guinness Arena, the Paddy Power Point oh. Bloody Arena. Sorry, then, just, uh, that, just that comment that's coming in there. Uh, Joe Paul, some, some assholes try to call Celtic Park Parkers. Mate, I do not know what, what kind of points that you frequent, but I've never ever heard any of these roasters call it Parkers. And if I do, I'm no, I'm no trying to incite violence or anything, but fucking rat the heat in them. <laughs> as, long as, we don't, as long as we don't align ourselves to any kind of uh, dubious uh, companies, like, like Gazprom, for example, you know what I mean? By the way... I wish, I wish Rangers at this moment had a, a Russian owner just to see the fucking. Sean <laughs> <laughs> Smiley, call it the Jungle Gym Stadium with not one but two caramel and belly stands. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are a massive glory hole for McGinty. Guys, any. Any final thoughts before we wrap up for tonight? Uh, not overly. I will just say to anybody who is listening, we have oh, made a Marcus. monumental fuck up in regards to the Twitter account. So, um, if anybody's noticed, if you're on Twitter, whatever, there's been a whole new kind of refollowing campaign. So, I do apologize for all the aggro that that's causing for people if you are. But yeah, we are changing over to a new account. So, bear with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Paddy? Uh, just just a wee, a wee mention it to the viewers and everybody that's comment again, brilliant to have the same uh, the, the, the same commenters week in, week out, you're absolute legends, 10 of the new guys thanks for joining in um, obviously we've not had a lot of football this month um, so we've, we've 
we've brought up some kind of topical uh, discussions, which has went down well. Um, we're still getting a lot of suggestions for you guys and what you would like to talk about. Obviously, it's not just about us, it's about you guys in the comments. That's the way you interact with us. So if there's anything you ever want to be brought up in conversation, just feel free to just put it in the comments or give us a wee message or whatever, and we'll try and try and work it in somewhere, even if it's a full episode or it's just a wee bit of uh, discussion here and there. We'll do it for you guys. Next month is obviously, it's going to be a massive month. We are going to have a shitload of football. We're going to have, I think, three games, Gavin, against the Rotten Mob. We're going to be into the split as well. So, aye, uh, us guys are going to be pretty hectic. Um, so, aye, just um, keep, keep keep joining in and give us a wee hand with some discussion so that we're not sitting here fucking absolutely exhausted. Um, but again, aye, that, but just again to everybody, just thanks for joining in. Looking forward to the weekend. Hopefully, we'll get another three points in the bag. Which I don't doubt. Uh, hopefully, the Rotten Mob drop three points. So here we go. We're on the march to the league. Let's get through the hardest, but let's get through it together. Hi. Right. Okay. Again, to the viewers, thank you very, very much for all your comments. That's what we. That's the lifeblood of the, the podcast. You know it. We know it. So just keep it coming, man. And as Paddy said, any further topics you want us to, to, to discuss, we did like the greatest, um, the, the hardest eleven of Celtic players. And we did uh, an unsung 11. We did an episode about Neil Lennon. Um, shit like that. If you just want to talk about certain things like that, then give us, give us a heads up and we'll try and fit that in. Uh, thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Appreciate that, Sean. Uh, aye, okay. So for the Jungle Gyms, um, when yeah, are you so back on? We'll be back on next this weekend. We've got the, the Celtic game. Aye. That's, that's another one. For, for anybody that's kind of new or, or still unsure, we're always on on a Tuesday at uh, 7 o'clock for our weekly roundup, and we try and do every single game post-match, which is obviously after full-time. Uh, and if anybody's interested, myself and McGinty have started doing a, uh, started doing the, the, the live kind of thing, sitting, talking shite well with the game zone, sitting, talking about it. What's that one again, McGinty? Uh, we're doing that on Twitch, so it's just... Uh... Whenever we can manage it, and it's not always possible, unfortunately, with my work, but whenever we can manage it, just a, a couple of just sitting, drinking a beer, watching the football on the side, unfortunately, we can't show it, obviously, but just talking talking shit while we're watching it and uh, getting our remarks in. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> How could this end in, Gav? I know. <laughs> Jealousy is no part of it. <laughs> right, okay. For the jungle, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for watching, all right? God bless. Bye -bye. All best. Here.